Hi, I'm Matt Robinson, Head of Nations and Regions for Tech UK. In this series of podcasts, we'll be bringing you the movers and shakers from the local tech scene across the UK. Those who are influencing change, those who are leading interventions, and those who are innovating and doing things that are interesting for our sector. I'm joined today by some excellent guests who are here to talk about the local tech scene in Leeds. And we'll be looking at the Leeds Digital Festival, how Leeds has made sure that it's been resilient through the pandemic and what that's meant for the sector, as well as racial diversity and the local tech ecosystem. I'll come first to Stuart Clark. Hi, uh, I'm Stuart Clark. I run a, a PR marketing company in Leeds called Paceline, and we work with some of the most innovative tech companies uh, in the UK. All, but all based in Leeds. Uh, I'm also very heavily involved in the startup scene in Leeds. I'm a non-exec and advisor and investor in, in, in too many to mention uh, here. And I'm also the festival director of the Leeds Digital Festival, which started in 2016. Thanks, Stuart. Uh, Sarah. Thank you. Um, I'm Sarah Porson. I'm the um, MD at Fruition IT and Fruition Consulting. Um, I've spent the last... Um, ooh, 20 odd years um, working in Leeds, providing um, technology and um, recruitment solutions to organisations in the region and beyond. Um, I'm incredibly passionate about um, working with our kind of next generation of talent and ensuring that a career in technology is accessible for everyone. Thanks, Sarah. Adam. Hi there. So I'm Adam Hildreth, the CEO of a company called Crisp. Um, we're in the online safety tech space, which for the, the UK is a massive push at the moment because we want to do as a, as a country, we want to become the leader in that. But I'd also suggest that Leeds is a great place if you are getting involved in the online safety tech um, sector. In terms of what CRISP does specifically, um, we help social media platforms, large global enterprises and brands manage online content and narratives that's damaging to them, their end users or, or the people that they're affiliated with, including celebrities. Um, just under 300 full-time employees at the moment, which is, I think we nearly doubled during the pandemic, which has been interesting to say the least. So thanks for having me. I think we might explore some of that in our conversation today as well, Adam. And finally to Eve. Hi everybody, um, I'm Eve Rudhouse. I'm the Chief Officer for Culture and Economy at Leeds City Council. So that's quite a wide ranging portfolio, but most pertinent to today is the work that we do around um, both economic policy. So um, shaping the economic policy for um, for the city through um, the delivery of an inclusive growth strategy, but also we've done a lot of work in response to COVID-19 in terms of thinking through what that means um, going forwards. Secondly, employment and skills, um, and we've done a lot of work to refresh our future talent plan. No surprises to listeners that there's a huge theme that came through that in digital, and so look forward to maybe getting into some of that as we go. And then um, thirdly, another area that is in my remit at the council is business support. So um, we do a lot, we did a lot of work under COVID getting grants out to businesses, but we do work more broadly through some of our business support programmes over time, which help businesses um, getting started up. Um, and that ranges everything from kind of standard European uh, funded business support through to um, interventions to drive um, the development of our innovation ecosystem which is um, much more ambitious in terms of global in scale. Thank you, Eve. Um, so let's get into it and get into some of our discussion. And I think what I'm keen to understand is a little bit more about Leeds Digital Festival. Uh, many areas of the country have digital festivals or technology festivals, 
but Leeds has been one of the early starters and one of those that's continued to grow. So where did it all first start, Stuart? Well, it, it goes back to the summer of 2015 when Leeds City Council, they put together a, I think they call it a digital strategy day where they got about 80, 90 people from the city and the tech sector together to talk about their plans over the sort of coming five years. And then a bunch of us got together afterwards to say, you know, in a, in a pub, which is you know, always the best way. And and we thought, you know, it, it's not just down to the council or the LEP or DCMS or whatever, you know, it's like, what can, what can we do? So we came up with the idea of, of, of a festival, you know, not, a, not a, a brand new idea. We sort of stole, stole the idea from uh, various other things. And we thought we'd, we'd kick it off and just to see how it goes. So we had our first one in April 2016 with about 50 events. Uh, and it's grown year on year since. And, and we had two main aims. One was celebration, make some noise about what we've got in the city and in the tech sector, but also that collaboration. And we wanted to bring people together in a, in a meaningful, thoughtful way. So it's been open platform. We don't put any events on ourselves as organisers. We're just, in, in essence, just open it up to the, to the city and then people come and put their own events. And over those six years, we've grown from 56 events to over 300 consistently year on year. Uh, we're funded by sponsorship. And I'm looking around the screen. I can see uh, uh, three organisations that have been big supporters of the, of the festival uh, over the years. Uh, and, it's, and, and as I say, it's that open nature. I think that's why it's succeeded. And we have events on FinTech, HealthTech, Safety Tech, MedTech, Data, Coding, Careers, absolutely everything. And I think it's evolved from those first year or two from techies talking to other techies about tech to much wider uses and innovations. And, you know, last year we had uh, Opera North and the Royal Shakespeare Company put an event on about how they're using tech, particularly to engage with audiences during the pandemic. Not natural bedfellows of tech, some would think, but those who are obviously interested in the sector. And Adam, from your perspective at CRISP, what was your reaction? What prompted you to get involved in the festival? I, I think there's a, probably a few things. For for CRISP as, a, as an organisation, as a business, it's critical that well, there's two there's two things that are critical for our success, but ultimately it comes down to the, the members that are a part of Team Crisp, right? And having we've talked about diversity, inclusion, but the skill sets that we need. And our, our view on that is that we refer to ourselves as you know R and D headquartered in in Leeds, but uh, technically we sell across the globe. But for us to continue that research and development in what is a really important sector, that online safety tech sector, we've got to have the right people looking for a job in Leeds. We've got to make sure they've got the right skill sets. And for us, that is really about promoting all the positive sides of why this is such a great place to be at the cutting edge of, of technology. So it, it's a few things that are a part of that, really. But ultimately, I think for us, bringing everyone together, bringing the entire tech sector together and starting to publicise that externally, I think one of the challenges of, of being from the north is we we tend to keep our successes to ourselves and don't shout about and praise ourselves anywhere near enough. Um, and I would just like to see more and more of that. And I think that the Leeds Digital Festival has done that in a, in a really positive way by collaboration and bringing multiple types of organisations together and multiple people together. So I think that's the big one for us, for us to be based here and to have just under 300 people out of here, which we continue to, to grow and and extend it's critical that we talk to the world about how good is Leeds as a base for that so we encourage more people and encourage people with it that are already here 
to go out and, and increase their skill sets um, and make it more applicable to, to the tech sector. Absolutely. Sarah, I want to come to you because Stuart talked about that diversity of involvement. How has that benefited uh, your conversations with those that you work with, uh, but for yourself as well, being involved in the festival? Um, well, we've, I mean, we've been involved with the festival for probably the past three to four years now in terms of putting on events. Um, and, it, and I think people underestimate the amount of work that's involved, first of all, from you know, getting your team together. You've got this great idea, let's put an event on. And then you think, actually, oh my goodness, this is a huge amount of work because you want to make it a success. And um, that's the, the first thing. Um, you're representing your own business and your own brand and you want to do that really well. Um, and then obviously, um, I think what's been key to the success of the Leeds tech scene is the collaboration that we see across different organizations. And I think that's quite unique because companies are really happy to share information, share insights about what's working and what's not. And we really encourage that. So um, it, it kind of was essential that we've been part of the digital festival um, to be able to help um, put on a diverse range of, of topics and events and speakers. So, um, you know, there's also an element of, of you know, you don't want to miss out. Um, you've, you've got to be part of this. It's, it's key to to our city moving forward and, and as a business, um, you know, we want to grow and um, develop our services. So it's, it's, a, it's a key part of, of what's become now part of a, a kind of annual um, event in our marketing calendar. It's part of our brand promotion and it's part of the, you know, our role that we have to play and we, we want to play in collaboration across the city. Thank you. And Eve, I want to come to you in terms of the council's perspective on this. Obviously the council, I suppose, first got the ball rolling, as you heard from Stuart there when this this was first discussed. How has the council's role changed as the digital festival has grown? Um, that's, a, that's a really good question in terms of reflection. So I think um, the reason why that meeting took place that Stuart referred to is because at the time Sky had moved to the city and Sky were kind of stealing all the employees <laughs> from all the other digital businesses in Leeds at the time. Um, which then I think led to a bit of disquiet and a discussion about, OK, we've got to make we've got to see what we can do to help um, make interventions so that um, we we're building that ecosystem all the time. And like every city in the UK and probably every city in the globe, the digital sector is growing so quickly that you've always got to be thinking about how we can can we be supporting businesses to be able to get the skills they need? How can we make sure that um, we're supporting collaboration so that businesses can share best practice and really get that advantage? Um, so um, I think when we first started and um, supporting this is very much in essence, with the spirit of how Stuart and colleagues started it, which is actually all about just celebrating what we had actually in Leeds. And that that bit of the festival stays really, really strong. So we um, one of my favourite parts of the festival is always the awards, um, which is about celebrating individuals, businesses, networks that are really, really contributing to, um, to, to the sector in the city. And that, that thread runs throughout. So that's never changed. I think um, perhaps the council's money and sponsorship was more important to begin with and is less so now, but because the sector itself sees the value of, of um, the festival. Where we've probably done more work in the last couple of years is, is helping on the international front. So we have an international relations uh, function at the council 
and we have worked with Stuart around bringing in some of the connections we have with China, with Lille in France, which is one of our sister cities, with Dortmund, um, and having that international element. So it's really pleasing in the last two years that we've seen much more international involvement and great that we've done that off the back of um, our own actions and activities, um, not kind of necessarily um, waiting for kind of doors to be opened in, in that way. Um, and um, it, it, it's so the, the festival is so important to us for all the reasons that Sarah and Adam um, describe. There is every city says they're collaborative, but I genuinely think that Leeds is really, really, truly collaborative. Um, and you will see competitors working with each other where they see, you know, they see they can. Um, and, and that's a really great thing about the city. And I think that's a really important point there, isn't it? That we all share in some of these challenges and we all share in some of these successes where, when a tech community can grow. Um, I want to turn to Adam and, and Sarah in turn to say, what would your reflections be for somebody who wanted to do an, an event or get involved with the festival? What would you say? And, and it, you can't just say, get involved tomorrow. It's Because it's, uh, <laughs> I know that's what you're going to want to say. Um, I, um, I think that the, the biggest one, for me on that is actually I think we started off with quite a corporate feel to the, the the events we were getting involved with but actually what happened in the end was a lot of our teams got involved that we wouldn't necessarily wouldn't necessarily get to even host an event or speak an event and they just made it very real rather than the corporate marketing PR messaging side which I think it we all start that way, don't we? Because we want to go and tell tell our messages to that. And I think where we've ended up as a business is we've really pushed people in to the deep end to say, well, get out there. And some of the events have got hundreds of people at them where they've, they've done talks and across a whole wide range of subjects. But that, I think that critical word of collaboration for us meant that we were bringing people in in, a, in an area that they weren't necessarily used to and didn't get to go out and collaborate with their job or talk about what they do. And they do some really exciting, interesting areas, whether that's latest technology whether that's sort of case studies on use cases whether it's deep dives or just wider looks at sort of trends in in the entire tech sector i think that's been really really important for, for us at chris shifting from that corporate brand messaging view of the world where i i might be doing a talk or one of our other senior leaders are doing a talk to really making it about the people that make up crisp which is those just under 300 people i think that's been a key change for us and i think that has as, as I've seen the festival developed, it's, it's got to be a lot wider reaching in terms of the subject matter experts that are talking about it, but also the areas they're talking about as well. Sarah. Uh, yes, I, I mean, I just echo what Adam says really, but also um, I guess one of the benefits of the festival being more on a digital platform now with virtual events is it's encouraged people that perhaps wouldn't normally be confident enough to get involved um, presenting you know what they do as their role or their company or their project to, to actually do that so I think that's been that's been brilliant um it's been an opportunity for people to step out of their comfort zone and and kind of share their authentic view of of what's happening in the Leeds tech sector um and I think just you know what what, what advice would I give people is just lots of planning and getting your event organized um, don't leaving it to the last minute but not worrying too much about um you know getting attendees to to actually attend your event because a lot of the events are watched back over the course of the year and it's just really useful and in you know innovative content that people will benefit from beyond the festival so yeah that's probably what i would share thank you and, and 
<coughs> Stuart, so, please. Yeah, so Matt, just picking up on a, on, a, on a few points there, and and I think you know going back to 2019, we're 100% physical festival. You know, all the events were in Leeds City Centre. 2020, we were 100% virtual, and then last year we were a, a mix, about 80% virtual, 20% physical, and I think we'll end up being a, a sort of hybrid mix uh, over the over the coming years. But the, the fact that we've we've gone virtual. Uh, he mentioned the international element, and we used to host lots of delegations. But in the last couple of years, we've we've had attendees and speakers from over sixty countries, you know, every single continent, and and not just the bigger countries you'd expect, like you know, US, Canada, Germany, but Kazakhstan, Peru, Benin, Philippines, uh, and I think also being virtual, it's it's more accessible for many people, as to touch on the point Sarah made. You know, uh, it's not always easy for people to be in the city centre at six o'clock at night, but you can stick it on a laptop in the kitchen or or watch the recording later. And we find that people are really making the use of that. The event organisers, you know, really really pushing it pushing it out after the event as well, because as Sarah and Adam both said, and it's it's hard work to put an event on, so you know, make the most of it. And on that collaboration piece, every year we get companies that would normally be competitors on a day to day basis come together to put great events on and and i always say to people how if you want to get involved with the festival you know number one sponsor us if you can but that's not for everybody number two put an event on and again that's not for everyone but three most importantly let your staff get out there let them collaborate let them mix let them make, make a couple of ideas let them, them network and maybe find more staff you know people to work with and the, and again it's just that collaboration that brings it together and, and, and enables to grow each year. And Stuart, if people want to find out more, uh, where can they go to find out more about Festival of 2022? Yeah, the festival website is leadsdigitalfestival.org. Perfect, thank you. Turn to the uh, the pandemic now and the impact that that's had on the tech community in Leeds. Uh, Leeds has been particularly resilient through the pandemic and and despite the pandemic tech startups in these attracted 43.5 million dollars in, in venture capital investment in 2020 and a 29% increase on the previous year so that just demonstrates the resiliency of the technology sector in Leeds uh, Adam I want to come to you first thinking about how that's impacted crisp and, and your business and how you've had to innovate um, in the local tech ecosystem yeah, sure. So I think in terms of a timeline of events for CRISP, I think 2020 was, and we've continued to hire throughout the entire pandemic, including right now, we still have numerous roles outstanding. But in 2020, we saw a massive positive shift to now sort of remote working, I think it's fair to say. I think that we're now going back the other way of going, OK, full time remote doesn't quite, it misses quite a lot. And it misses quite a lot of factors for teams just collaborating in ways that's less formal. Um, so for us, it worked really well to begin with. I think it's working less well now in terms of being 100% remote. So we are going to get to a hybrid model, but no one's really yet presented one of those hybrid models where you still don't have to have a desk for everyone in a city centre office. Because funnily enough, everyone wants to be in the office in the same times or days or or days of the week. Um, so we are still, you know, I think that in terms of our business, we very quickly, because of the, the nature of it and because we have a, a global um, footprint, we we managed to deal with that really quickly with remote working, everything that's going there. But I think now the cultural issue is starting to just crop up where you just hear the little 
bits and bobs that you need to know about or you need to correct something or you want to ask someone a question or get clarification on something that doesn't require a formal meeting. So I think we're coming out the other end now. And, and of course, it's really hard to onboard staff. I think I, I mentioned that I think it was 150 people we've taken on during that period. And it's really weird after having seen someone on Zoom or Google Meet or Teams after 18 months where you realize you haven't seen them physically in the real person. And, and everyone is a lot taller than what you expect. <laughs> um, it's really weird. Um, but I think that that was our culture at Chris for a long time that we had really good amount of social interaction where sometimes you, you can get more done with creativity and ideas and opportunities through that social interaction, whether it's lunches, whether it's drinks after work, whatever that is. And I think Leeds is a brilliant city for that. You know, and I've said it for a long time about that mixture of very, very, a great city centre, but something that's actually really close to, frankly, countryside and living that isn't London and Manchester. I think that that mix between the two works really well. Our goal now is to bring back that social side that everyone had without having to invest in an office that no one uses on a Monday or Friday or whichever day they don't want to do. So I think we've just done the whole, yeah, we've done the whole journey. Uh, but we have managed to onboard a lot of people and it's worked. It hasn't worked every time, but it's worked incredibly well from where we were. Uh, Sarah, you found something similar and, and the need for that creativity when planning the next stage of the business, onboarding, staff. Um, is that something that you'd share? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously my role is, is twofold. I, I run a business um, myself where I, I have um, a team of individuals delivering services to our clients but also our tech recruitment business is responsible for providing um, technology employees to organizations. So, um, you know, our role is, so I guess taking my role first of all, then I think just echoing what Adam said, it's incredibly challenging, particularly when you're bringing on junior or entry level people remotely. Um, You know, people learn a lot through osmosis in those early days. And if they're not surrounded by people doing the job, that's really challenging to do. Um, and I think that's particularly difficult in the tech sector when companies are having to look at graduates or apprenticeships or trainees and bringing them into the business. Um, training and onboarding remotely is, is really difficult. Um, and then I guess the other impact it's had on our business is, um, you know, the, the demands that the pandemic has placed on organisations where we're trying to provide um, staff to their businesses and um, companies finding, uh, obviously embracing remote working very early on, which is why I think we adapted really well in the tech sector, particularly here in Leeds. Um, but now I think the kind of the hybrid working um, is going to take some time to to find its feet for organisations. Um, in particular, when you've got some people working remotely and some people working in the office, um, there's technology challenges. You know, I was talking to a, a client yesterday who works for a a leading tech company leads and nothing was working for him and he just wanted to get back into the office so you know even as basic as, as those type of tech challenges that companies are facing so I think you know this year we'll see some I guess leveling out of how hybrid will work um, but Adam's right getting things done quickly and um, that kind of human interaction without having to schedule a call and if they're not available waiting two hours to be able to speak to somebody it, it is challenging and um, but it's what employee, it was what candidates now want. Uh, you know, people want 
flexibility, freedom and choice about when and where they work. So um, we've got to embrace it and, and, and kind of find that balance. Thanks, Sarah. And Eve, the council obviously works with business and, and the business community in Leeds, but also is engaged in its own public service delivery. And that's provided some difficulties and, and interesting challenges for the council through the pandemic. Um, what would your reflections be on, on that and, and where you think it's perhaps moving to next and how the council can work with the tech community in Leeds and beyond? Yeah, thanks, Matt. So I think the interesting thing for me was back in sort of um, April and May 2020, I remember talking with businesses from every single sector about what they were experiencing. And actually, everyone went through a very similar wave at the beginning of the pandemic, because if we take ourselves back to the first lockdown, actually, it was a really it was a real strict lockdown. Um, so every business, including um, us as a council, went through that cycle of First of all, can I get all my people that can work from home, working from home safely with the right technology to look after them? And everybody did that from every every sector because most businesses had people that worked in the office all the time. Um, and then and then it was on to self finances. Everyone was like, right, we've got to, to sort of get a grip on our finances and that positioning. And then people moved on to strategy. And what was really interesting is then as a city, we saw some um we, we kind of saw this pause in inward investments and then suddenly we kind of saw a rush of decisions that perhaps businesses have been thinking about making for a few years and because of the pandemic everyone been through the same cycle and suddenly lots of businesses making lots of big strategic decisions including the public sector um for which we have been uh, you know we have benefited in leads from decisions taken uh, by businesses to, to to locate in Leeds and grow in Leeds. So Bank of England, for example, I understand that for several years they've been thinking about moving, um, having a second location. And obviously that decision came forward post-COVID. And by the way, that the reason you might think why is she mentioning the Bank of England, but actually the Bank of England are interested in Leeds because of some of our strengths in technology and digital and the fact that that can help them innovate with um, fintech. As part of what of what they do, so um, that's an interesting cycle. But the difference in the digital sector is that once the digital sector had got through that first cycle of can we get everyone from working from home? Have we got control of our finances on strategy? Everybody else was going. Can we buy some digital <laughs> services because all of our services now need to be online? So digital businesses were actually seeing demand for their services really rapidly increase. And in Leeds, we do have a lot of digital businesses that also work in health and are part of that um, delivery supply chain for health, working with NHS Digital. So there were many businesses in Leeds were actually quite integral to the response to COVID-19 in some of what they were delivering for NHS Digital. So it, at the time, looking at it from a, an economic point of view, the digital sector was hugely important when other parts of the economy were really properly um, locked down. Obviously, as the pandemic's moved on, the digital sector hasn't had the same impact as other sectors in later restrictions and lockdowns. Um, because can so effectively work from from home, um, but um, just commenting on what I heard from Sarah and Adam, I completely agree um, with that kind of view of actually you do need to be able to get teams back in the office. You do need to be able to collaborate because certainly at the council um, from September to December, I was in the city much more frequently, spending a lot of time with my teams, but also meeting people across the city, and it made a huge difference to my productivity, but also my mental health. Um, and I think that employers are really concerned with them, the mental health of their staff um, and particularly younger people who might be living on their own. And so trying to tackle that as an employer is really interesting. So I think there's a really 
there's a lot of um, kind of really good employers in the digital sector in Leeds really trying to tackle some of these issues to make sure that um, they can retain their staff and and grow their staff. But we're also sort of looking at some of those uh, those things collectively um, together. Um, yeah, I think that's a really important point you've made there, Eve, about not just the resiliency of the sector, but the resiliency of the individuals, that the people involved in this and the impact it can have on their mental health. I, I don't know, Adam and Sarah, you've, you've both suggested that it's been really important for recruiting, but for your existing staff as well, have you found that there's been challenges in that field? Yeah, so I mean, we're in a, a really interesting space. So we, we deal with some of the worst of the worst content and other issues that happen online. So us having moving to remote working brought in other issues and, and mental health being central to that, which is it's really hard to make sure that someone is coping with their job that they're doing when they are, frankly, sat at home. And we also have the concern about their family welfare as well on the basis that are they in a room where someone isn't going to see what's on their screen or they're dealing, because they're ultimately dealing with content that's either illegal or very close to being borderline illegal. So we have, and it all does resolve around that. Plus we had the day-to-day business issues of people just, it's really hard when you go from, you know, even just the commute to work, right? And from a mental health perspective, gave people that sit of gap on a morning, a gap on an evening, and then you were going back to a different place. Whereas when you work from home, people were probably overworked because it's really, they're getting up and suddenly they're working until they're stopping working in an evening, but they're still in that same location. So we had to deal with both of those aspects. And we have um, in-house psychologists and, and other uh, people that we've taken on to try and just make sure that we're on top of it. Um, and, it, and it's for us, it was juggling two things. One is obviously just the, the subject nature of what we do um, really needs to be in secure office locations for some of it. But on the other side of that is that general thing, even if you're not working in some of our extremely confidential and sensitive areas, then it's just that how do you make sure that people are OK? You know, that sort of the water cooler moment or just the chats that happen in that. And we tried many things. Um, one of the interesting areas is some sides of our business, some of the things we tried, which is like coffee buddy stuff, where you'd get picked against someone randomly within the business. That We found that worked really well with certain individuals, but actually other individuals within the tech sector that want don't necessarily want to go and speak to anyone else. The office forces them to speak to, to other people. So that that was a challenge for us just with, by the very nature of some of the people that, that work for the business. So I think we've We've tried, we've tried an awful lot, um, and I think we're going to come out of this a lot better business, actually, even when we do go back to physical office spaces and more in-person working. I think a lot of the lessons that we learned through remote working, with making, you know, checking on people's mental health and providing them with the things they need, um, even if it's an opportunity to speak to someone or some of the other tools that we've implemented, I think we will we'll be better in the, in the end, if that makes sense. So, yeah, certainly not easy for us. No. Sarah or Stuart, I, I'm just interested in your observations on this. I know at Tech UK we did a buddying system as well through the pandemic. Uh, I found that particularly useful, particularly when looking at different people's roles in the organisation. It made me think about different people's jobs um, in the sector uh, and, and our organisation differently. I don't know if you found similar things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we tried to do 
loads of online budding up collaboration, end of week wrap ups, socials, um, just to keep that communication going. Um, but you know, we employ a lot of young people, many of whom live by themselves. Um, and I think by not being physically in the office together, you miss some of those cues that you would normally pick up on the body language. Someone might be being a bit quiet or a bit, you know, engrossed in their, their laptop and maybe hasn't taken a break for 20 minutes. You miss all of that through, through working remotely. And, and I think as a, an employer, you've, you've still got a responsibility when your team are remote to keep a check on your team's mental health, particularly during the pandemic. And that was a, that's a big responsibility because it's, it's really difficult to, to do. Um, and actually, some of our team have, since the office has been, been re- reopened, and we actually made a decision this time around when the recommendation was for people to work from home to keep the office open for people that needed it. Um, and the majority of people are accessing the office most days so that they can get out of the house every day so that they do have that switch off time from work. Um, I know myself, I'd, I'd just be drawn to my office. I'd finish work, sort the kids out, and then I'd just keep going back to this laptop, like this kind of beacon of light in my house. I was like, stop it. Um, you know, it was like work never finished. So... Um, you know, I much prefer the, hy- the hybrid model. I think it, it, it's really important for people's mental well-being, um, and you know, to see people socially, um, I think is really important. Um, you know, for, for all human beings, whether they're the most extrovert or introvert characters, I think you need that human interaction, um, just from making friends and meeting husbands and partners and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's kind of a part of life that is, is potentially is, is missing without that. I know I met my wife through work and she'll never let me forget it. Uh, <laughs> Stuart, uh, you yeah. work with a number of, um, of different clients, but also have your own team. Again, yeah. that, the importance of that mental health. Have you seen clients of yours who are really innovating on this as well? It, it is. And, you know, just picking up on what Sarah was saying, you know, are we, are we working from home or living at work? You know, it's difficult to get that balance sometimes. And and you know, and I think every single company I've spoken to or, or work with, you know, had those conversations over the last <laughs> keep saying eighteen months, but it's almost two years now, isn't it? And you know, trying to get that balance right, you know, and as Adam touched on, trying to, you know, is it everybody in for three days a week? Is it half the team? Is it certain sections? And it's you know, it's a real tricky balance to to, to get it right. And and I think that duty of care is really really key. And and all those evangelists for working from home going back to sort of March, April, May of 2020, you know, they were probably people who had more space in their house, maybe a separate room, that sort of thing. But if you're 22 and you're sharing a house with three or four others and it's really dodgy Wi-Fi and there's only a small kitchen table, so you're sitting on your bed all day, you know, that's not that's really not good for people. So so I think gradually people will find that good balance. And, and I think that duty of care is absolutely important. I think that's going to be paramount for every employer. Thank you. And I want to turn to look at um, Wild's report on racial diversity. I know that's something that's really important to Leeds, and I think it links in with having a diverse workforce. And that's what we've found at Tech UK when we've discussed local digital capital is actually how you can bring skills and talent into the tech sector. Um, I'll turn to Eve first, if that's okay. Eve, where did the idea for this first come from and and how was it received when this was first discussed? So um, alongside my role at the council I do actually sit on the 
the I say board of wild it's not really a sort of formal board but it it's sort of a steering group might be a better way to describe it um and um there was a real kind of interest in wanting to get to grips with understanding what the challenges are around um trying to achieve better racial diversity in tech in Leeds because we all knew, or we all know, that we are not very diverse in the tech sector and we don't represent the city in terms of um, the demographics of the city. But if you don't have data, then you can't really understand where you are and what you need to do next. So um, that's kind of how it came, how it came about. And um, Sarah Tulip, who is our sort of ambassador for Dig Leeds as a Digital City, she she knew Annette Joseph, who runs Diverse and Equal, and approached Annette to ask her if she would do this piece of work because she'd done something similar, but not exactly the same over in Manchester. And um, so um, we, as a at the council, with my council hat on, said, well, we'll put some money in to help get this started in terms of sponsorship. And then um, Sarah and Annette together pitched it to a number of businesses in the in the city to secure some support for it, one of which was um, CRISP. Um, and then that allowed Annette to do the research, which involved some real in-depth interview sessions and produced a report that was published as part of the digital festival. Um, and I was at that event and helped to facilitate that event. And it was, for me, one of the most powerful events during the digital festival. Um, and that piece of work is a really fabulous piece of work in terms of setting out what some of the realities are about the um, issues that exist in the works, workplace for helping people progress, but also um, what we might need to do as employers to try and overcome them and what we can do collectively as a city. So I think the next challenge for us really is how we're going to respond to that um, piece of work. Um, both individually as employers and collectively as a city. Adam, I'll come to you here because CRISPR involved with this work. So a two part question. Why did it matter being involved and how is it in terms of the report itself? How has it affected your thinking, your response to it? Uh, well, I think firstly, he's absolutely right. We have all got to be very clear that there is a problem with diversity within the tech sector. As an overall, that's something that it, it doesn't really exist. Now, we, there's two elements to that at CRISP, and I would separate the two. One side of what we do is all about culture and language, and that really helps us to drive diversity because without someone understanding a particular cultural language, and across the world we work in over 50 languages, but we need regional local people within the Leeds area. So that does help drive one area of our business where people are massively involved in essentially training technology. And, and there's a big... And in the middle of all of this, when we talk about AI is the buzzword that everyone uses, and it wouldn't be a podcast without mentioning AI. Um, so we've got to use it. But there is a huge issue at the moment with what's called AI bias, which is when the people that are training machines to make decisions are biased based on what they think is good, bad, indifferent or everything else. So a huge element of what we have to do as a business is to make sure that we are we don't have a bias or we everyone has a bias but it's an equal bias between every culture and every that diversity as a whole the different roles that are there so i think we're looking that's what was driving us because we can't get away with not being diverse as a business because our customers will stop using us because we will be biased as an organization and i think that's one thing and that's 
that for us was something we were really pushing and, and really there are a lot more jobs within tech than just writing code. But that does bring me on to the second thing is I would love to see so many more people get into essentially developing technologies and writing code. And I think there is a stigma there at the moment that it does tend to be a certain demographic that think that that's going to be their job. And other people, even though they do have the skill set, they do have the capability, they can be taught how to do it, just don't think that that's for them. And I think so that for us, there's de there was definitely two aspects to it. How do we encourage people that just think right now or wrongly that they can't do a job with regards to writing technology and being involved in technology? That was one of And the other aspect was just how we start to communicate with a much more diverse audience about what we do, you know, what we do as a business and how the fact we have to get a people to help us train technology across in across cultures, across um to get rid of that biasing in, in every form of life. So that, that, that's why it's so important to us. And I think that the challenge right now is you can, as a tech business, get away without having a diverse um, employee group uh, overall. Um, we can't, but we can do on the coding side. And so it's a real push for us to make sure that because the, the bigger we make that pool of candidates, the easier it is for all for us to do that job. I just think we've got to get that that message out to a wider range of people that this is this is an opportunity for them and they can do it and you don't need to come from a certain background or have a certain way or view of world or even forgetting qualifications. The, the thing that makes enough out of anything is don't think you can't get into technology unless you have certain qualifications. It's the opposite. And we often find our best engineers are the people that essentially are, are not qualified, albeit we'd never tell them that because they're very well qualified. <laughs> I mean, formally. <laughs> And, and Stuart, the, the report itself was launched at Leeds Digital Festival. I know that there's something that was really important to you and, and the team behind the festival as well. Have you seen others involved with the festival react to the report and uh, what's your response? Yes, so, yeah, so the report was launched at the, at the festival and it was a really interesting event. And, it, and to a great extent, it was it was uncomfortable because some of the findings really Really, I think it, I don't think many people were surprised what the exact numbers were, but I think it was really brave of of Sarah and the council and Chris and others to back that report because you know every single tech sector, every city in the in the UK and worldwide has a problem with diversity. So you have to start measuring it, you have to start mapping it, and you have to start thinking, okay, what more can can we do? So as I say, some of the findings were uncomfortable, but you know it's a start. We know where we are now. I think that's really important. And, and to touch on Adam's point, the more diverse the tech companies, you know, the, the better products, so the more stable, robust products and services you, you're going to build. And I think there's been lots of great developments over the last few years about bringing people in from there. So it's not just white, middle class men from, you know, the best universities getting into tech. You know, we've, we've seen much more diversity across the board, but still, still not enough. We see great organizations like Generation and, and North Coders reaching into areas that are underrepresented. You know, Leeds is a, a wealthy city, but we don't always share that wealth uh, across all parts of the city. And, and I know, Sarah, you've been doing some really interesting work with North Coders and, and the bursaries that you've been offering as well. Yeah, so. we, yeah, so, oh God, it's such a big, this is a topic in itself, isn't it, really? But I, for me, I think, 
if you we have a big challenge with the skills shortage here um particularly well in Leeds but, but everywhere across the UK um and we also have a challenge with diversity and the two kind of go hand in hand if we address diversity and attracting um people from underrepresented groups then in turn we're addressing the skills shortage um so and there's, there's so many things that I could I could talk about um I think looking at organizations like North Coders who are helping people um get into tech um, and they just um, recently secured some funding so their, their boot camp training courses were actually free um, which was an amazing opportunity so I think it's a 12-week coding boot camp and it gives people the opportunity to, to cross train um, and then they actively help people secure jobs in, in technology in our city which is great um, we recently provided a bursary fund to two individuals um, to provide them with some financial support for um, living costs, travel, buying laptops. So these two people ordinarily wouldn't have been able to um, undertake the North Coders boot camp, even though the actual training course was free. So that was a great opportunity for us to be able to do that. Um, and that's something that we intend to run year on year. But I think what's key moving forward is government funding is great, but we need to see a much greater involvement from the tech organizations that operate in our region and the support that they provide and, and their involvement um, you know if you look at skybet for example um, you might be aware but they they run their own kickstart scheme um, and they've recently hired i think it's 13 people from and um, diverse communities from people that have been long-term unemployed in and brought them into corporate roles that you know, they never would have had this opportunity. And I, and I think it's really important that, um, particularly the larger organisations that have the financial bandwidth to do so, step up and provide the support in the way that companies like Skybet are, are doing. So I've gone off on a tangent there because it's kind of a, such a big topic in itself. I think you've highlighted a really important point about what some of our bigger companies in Leeds and across the UK can do. Um, for SMEs, there is a challenge as well. And, and Eve, I don't know if that's something that's been reflected to the council and how SMEs have reacted to the report, how they can get involved in this, because they often do struggle in terms of recruiting some of the best talent. Yeah, so, oh, well, I suppose um, two answers to that question, one which is not directly linked to the report. Um, so one of the interesting things is that SMEs in Leeds are actually probably the, the ones that hire the most from some of the um, sort of market responses to the um, skills shortage. So you mentioned North Coders and their brilliant boot camps, but there's others now in the city as well. So there's Generation UK, um, Leeds Codes. Um, there was um, another one that, that was on the digital forum earlier today that we had. And um, so there's, there's a range of kind of people helping um, people switch careers and get into digital and SMEs because they can't necessarily afford to pay the salaries of larger businesses are actually more malleable and prepared to take people out of those type boot boot camp, boot camp type courses and then help them into the digital sector um, so the data shed I know have used them quite a lot um, and pan intelligence and others in in the city so so that's the first thing I'd say uh, around kind of get getting that route I do know however that um, you know, larger organisations are also starting to use them. So NHS Digital has partnered with North Coders to help with some of their graduates going into there. Um, going back to the going back to the report, I think um, 
that isn't just really about recruitment, although recruitment's really important. Thinking about how we do recruitment, the report also um, raised some really important points about how employers think about um, the the sort of barriers that might exist for people to progress through their business, you know, real or perceived, um, in terms of changes that you might need to to consider in terms of language that you use. And I think the most powerful thing that Annette talked about at the event was actually about the way we use the word racist or racism um, and the fact that actually we tend to have a really, really strong aversion where if somebody says that was racist, that we think we become highly, highly offended. Whereas um, Annette talked about the fact that we need to actually create a space where we can have honest conversations about how something might offend somebody, <laughs> offend somebody. Um, I suppose my equivalent would be, you know, as a as a woman, I would not hesitate to point out to a man if they said something to me that I said, well, hang on a minute, that was a little bit sexist, wasn't it? Let's not let's not go there again. I'd remember someone distinctly um, suggesting the only reason I watched um, uh, I watched um, kind of um, match the day on Sunday mornings because I wanted to see um, Gary in his underpants. I was like, well, no, actually, my son plays football. He's a massive Liverpool fan and I really enjoy watching match the day. So, um, you know, we don't hesitate to call those things out when it's gender. Um, so I think for me, that was my biggest takeaway from the report and the way that Annette described it is actually we've got to get comfortable talking about um, those types of smaller things that happen all the time that actually get in the way of people feeling at home in an organisation, feeling they can, can progress, seeing role models like them. Um, so I think, again, just taking it back, we're not you know none of us are perfect in as organizations and but what i think is fantastic about leeds is that multiple employers and the council came together on that piece of research and that we want to act on it going forward so i suppose matt if we do one of these in a year's time you can maybe ask us what more have we done collectively as a city in response to some of that as well i think we'd be definitely interested in doing that and as sarah said we could talk about this for a long long time it's a huge topic but in very important topic uh, as well uh, finally uh, a quick fire round so tech uk uh, did our local digital capital index earlier in the year looking at the strength of tech ecosystems a lot of conversations about leveling up and what that might mean um, looking ahead in 2022 what do you think that the tech sector can do to level up in leeds I'll come to Stuart first. Uh, thanks. Uh, well, I, th I think one of the key things, and again, again, I'm going to put my digital festival hat back on. You know, when we first started in 2016, we had very little involvement with national bodies, whether it's Tech UK or Tech Nation or digital leaders, and particularly with national government bodies. You know, but what we did last year, we had uh, a visit, a physical visit from uh, a government minister. Uh, which was interesting because we had three lined up uh, and, we, and then Boris Johnson had to reshuffle the week before the festival and all those three digital ministers were, were reshuffled out of DCMS. Uh, but we ended up getting uh, Chris Phil, the digital minister, coming up. We had events from the Financial Conduct Authority, Information Commissioner's Office uh, and, and the G7. So, you know, much more involvement with, with government. And we've seen that. Uh, Eve mentioned the Bank of England uh, 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 widening their involvement within Leeds, we've seen the Green in, in, uh, Infrastructure Bank as well. So I think there's more going on in Leeds. So, you know, we're getting a, a much more national conversation going. And I think that levelling up, you know, if 
if I if I could wave a magic wand, that I'd get more funds released to local decision makers who know where the spend should go and and could go to make that real big difference. I think I think that's the thing. I think we've seen you see the figures of how many local civil servants uh, have, have declined over the last ten years and how many national civil servants based in Whitehall. And those people in Whitehall don't know the communities, they don't know the cities, they don't know the, the, the ins and outs of the of the of the different tech sectors within within each city. So so just just let us get on with it, but give us a little bit of money. Sarah, is that something you'd echo? Um yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um for me, I think leveling up from a tech perspective in, in the north and um, I guess it comes back to the point I raised earlier about um, it has to be a shared responsibility. Um, I think you know, education and upskilling is is absolutely key. Um, making tech accessible for everybody and careers in tech accessible for everybody. Um, but I think you know some of the larger companies that have the bandwidth to do so. Um, it, it, their responsibility, that responsibility should sit should sit with them um, as well. Um, and I think attracting people from industry into education and um, bringing to life careers in tech is, is, is really important. So I think that collaboration with education and the tech organisations is, is kind of what I'd like to see moving forward. Eve, you're nodding away for those who are listening on the podcast, so it seems appropriate to bring you in. Yeah, so a couple of bits we haven't touched on so far are, um, around this agenda. So um, firstly, digital inclusion. Um, so, you know, digital skills are not just important for digital businesses. They're important for anyone wanting to work productively in any sector of the economy. Um, so digital um, so digital skills are vital. And some brilliant work that we've done in Leeds through the 100% Digital Leeds initiative um, but you can't do enough, really. You can't. So that's the first thing. Second thing was making every business a digital business. So again, the podcast today, we focused predominantly on digital businesses and the digital sector. But actually, in terms of levelling up, we need businesses that are not d digital as their core to, to adopt digital. So I suppose one of the interesting things for the digital sector to um, to think about integrate is for how can we help SMEs um, really kind of take advantage of digital so that they can um, get the productivity gains that large businesses do as well. And I think that digital adoption piece is something that's really important at Tech UK to our local digital capital index, just how are businesses adopting tech uh, and seeing themselves as a tech business as, as well. Um, Adam, levelling up what would you love to see in terms of levelling up in Leeds in the tech sector? I think probably promoting Leeds a lot stronger to both investors and entrepreneurs when they're going about why this is the place to set up your tech business and why this is the place where you need to be investing in. Um, it's because um, every city in the world is going to start saying they're a tech business and they're a tech, sorry, they're, they're home to tech businesses and they are the tech city of choice, right? Because that's that's where it's all going. I actually do happen to believe that Leeds is one of the best cities in the world for that. And I just think we need to do a better job of it's not levelling up in terms of the resources and the skills in the city. It's levelling up from a playing off the same you know, level playing field against others so we can get our message out there on a lot stronger basis to both people that are going to set up a new tech startup and then the investors within it. And even if it's a real simple, you know, two points on it, which is, 
you will get better people and they won't cost as much and they will have a better lifestyle. That's my view about leads. It's it's cheaper because of the way that that, that just happens to be the case if you versus London or even Manchester, but your staff have a much better lifestyle at the same time. So you can grow your business faster with less investment required, or you can use that investment for other things. So I think that something along that is definitely not the right 100% message, but something when all those three things are mixed together is would be really important for me. Thank you, Adam. And that is the end of our podcast today. Uh, it leaves me to thank Adam, Eve, Sarah and Stuart for joining me today to discuss the Leeds tech sector and the Leeds Digital Festival. As you can hear, there's a lot of exciting things going on in Leeds, but we will be profiling other parts of the country, the work that they're doing and looking at how they are improving, developing and innovating in their own tech ecosystems. So please do join us again. Thank you.